Okay, I know this is a little geeky, but I'm okay with it. And in full transparency, I have to admit, I mean, I love medical education. It just gets me excited, and I love teaching and participating in good research. But then I read articles like the one that was published out of JAMA Pediatrics just this month in October 2020, and I think, what the heck is going on here, and how did this actually get published? It's interesting results, but in no way proves causation and is going to scare unnecessarily a lot of women in labor. So in this podcast, we're going to review a JAMA Pediatrics recent publication that has somehow linked the use of epidurals in labor with child autism. Now, bear in mind, of course, this is saying it's an association and in no way proves causation. This has obviously drawn criticism from a variety of professional societies, and they are not happy. And we're going to review their statements in this podcast as well. Statements have already been released from the Society of Obstetric Anesthesia and Perinatology, known as SOAP. The American Society of Anesthesiologists has also issued a statement, along with the Society of Pediatric Anesthesia, the American College of OBGYN, the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, and the Royal College of Anesthesia. Let's get to that information now. This is Clinical Pearls. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's remind ourselves before we look at this controversial new publication that there's a big difference between associations and causations. And while it's true that some associations later proved to be causative, not all of them are. For example, it was first shown that there was an association with cigarette smoking and lung cancer that proved later to actually be a direct causation link. But not all associations lead to causation. And this is the concern with this recent study, again published in JAMA Pediatrics just in October of 2020. This was a retrospective longitudinal cohort study over the years of 2008 to 2015. This was at Kaiser Permanente in Southern California. The deliveries included all vaginal deliveries and included only singleton births. The gestational age for study inclusion was 28 to 44 weeks gestation. Remember, this was retrospective, so data was derived from electronic medical records. Children who were not enrolled in the Kaiser Permanente Southern California Health Plan by one year of age were not included. As for covariates, maternal social demographic characteristics like age at delivery, parity, and educational level were also reported. Self-reported maternal race and ethnicity and median family household income based on census tract of residents was also given. 
Medical Center of Delivery was also recorded for record, as well as a history of comorbidity like more than one diagnosis of a heart, lung, kidney, or liver disease or cancer, maternal obesity, diabetes, preeclampsia or eclampsia, smoking during pregnancy, and child characteristics at delivery like gestational age at birth, birth weight, sex, and presence of any birth defect were all recorded as well. For results, 147, 895 singleton children were included. The ratio was males at 50.3%. The median gestational age was 38.9 weeks. Exposure to epidurals during labor was 74%, meaning, of course, 74% of women had an epidural during birth. The autism spectrum disorders look like this. In the epidural group, it was 1.9%. In the no epidural group, it was 1.3%, giving a hazard ratio that was adjusted of about 1.37. So first of all, let's stop right there. This isn't a huge hazard ratio or a huge change in the actual percentage of autism spectrum. Fever did not affect the results in this study. Now, here's what was interesting. They also accounted for the autism spectrum disorder based on length of epidural exposure in labor. Less than four hours of epidural exposure gave a risk that was 33% higher compared to those who didn't. Labor epidural exposure of four to eight hours rose the risk to 35% and greater than eight hours gave a risk of 46%. Here are some key criticisms of this study. Remember, of course, this was a retrospective analysis, not prospective or randomized trial. Second, important potential uncontrolled co-founders were not addressed in this study, and these weren't addressed either before, during, or after pregnancy. These included paternal history, genetic predisposition, viral or bacterial infection during pregnancy, or potential toxic exposures. Also, epidural information that was not assessed include the medication given, the use of any preservatives or additives, or the specific dosing of the epidural. Thankfully, the researchers did state this in the paper. I think they were getting prepared for some major criticism and pushback. The researchers stated, quote, These findings should be interpreted with caution, given the wide varieties of labor epidural anesthesia practice, and it cannot be interpreted as a demonstration of a casual link between labor epidural anesthetic exposure and subsequent development of autism spectrum disorder, end quote. Okay, it's about to get good because when we come back, I'm going to give you these statements from these listed professional societies that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast because, well, they're pretty much on fire. The professional societies which have issued a statement were listed at the beginning of the podcast as an aggregate. Here is what they have in response. As noted by the researchers, there is no evidence of causation provided by this study. Details regarding the actual course of labor are not available. Here's the clinical pearl. There is no evidence for biologic plausibility provided in this study or even previous literature for detrimental neurological effects of very low doses of epidural medications on the fetus or infant. Neuraxial anesthesia does remain the gold standard for labor pain relief and offers a list of benefits to the mother in labor. 
Furthermore, the joint statements reinforce the following critical points. If anything, epidurals improve maternal or neonatal outcome. Five medical societies that represent more than 100,000 physicians want to assure the public that an association between a mother's use of epidural during childbirth and her infant's risk of developing autism does not imply causation. Millions of women worldwide benefit from epidural pain relief every year and give birth without any complication to the mother or the child. So, in my most medical and scientific opinion, ugh, I mean, what did happen with this study? What is going on here? The lead author was Qui, that's Q-U-I et al., again, in JAMA Pediatrics, October of 2020, causing many women to go into distress who were thinking about getting an epidural in labor for fear of autism. But again, ACOG, SMFM, SOAP, the Society of Perinatal Anesthesia, and others have denounced this study. And while interesting overall, it does not prove causation or nor does it lead to any change of current standard of care for pain relief. Thanks for being part of our podcast family. And we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.